Brant, episode 20, the Lions get a big W. We can't not start with the Lions completely proving us wrong on episode 19 that they go in and just not only squeak by and upset the Arizona Cardinals, but absolutely curb stomp them. You were down there for that game. What was it like? Like from the, you know, the, the pregame into the game, like what was the environment like? Because the Lions just like, they didn't, they never let off the gas. Uh, the team was on a different level than the fan base was. Let's just put it that way. When I was down there, I was doing the tailgate. I was doing all of the things that you should do when you go to Detroit to tailgate for a Lions game. Um, it just didn't seem like that many people, Dave. And I get that. I totally respect that if you don't want to spend money on seeing this team play. But the team was at a different level than they've shown all year. And boy, was it um, a statement win for Dan Campbell, for one, for the Fords, and just for this organization in general. And I know we talk about, do we want them to lose these games? Absolutely. But if you're going to look like that and play like that, Give us that every week, man, because uh, the fans that were there, me being one of them, man, was that a hell of a show. And I want to see that every single weekend, man. That was a great time. Well, what's crazy is the, the first of all, Dan Campbell has been a likable guy from the from the minute he got this job. Like I he said all the, the right things, the corny things, the whatever, but he's just a guy you listen to him and he's hard not to like. It's like we've said before, I want him to do well. What's been frustrating with Dan Campbell is not only is the roster just like ground zero and it is a full on just mess in Detroit, but he's had his missteps with X's and O's, clock management issues, play calling issues um, all year. And it's, you know, these last few games, things have turned around a little bit. Now, the last win they got, he still had some mistakes in that win against Minnesota. But, like, this game against the Cardinals, it was just a beautifully called game, and those guys played out of their minds. The Cardinals obviously were not ready to step into what that game on, on Sunday. Like, I think it took everybody by surprise, but, like, Kyler Murray said it best. Like, they just were not ready. Um, they, they obviously were looking past the Lions. So, yeah, I, I think that – yeah, you, you worry about the draft picks. You you definitely you, you don't want to go from one down now one to two. I, I, that's okay with me. You're either getting likely Aiden Hutchinson or or Thibodeau, which I'm I'm happy with either way. You start going past that, that concerns me a little bit. Like I'm okay if this is their last win of the of the season personally. Uh, but the bottom line is, is I, I look back to like weeks ago in this podcast and we said like okay, it is just bad right now how are you going to get these guys up to play in like the cold like middle of december for these games that mean nothing and to dan campbell's credit he's doing it <laughs> like yeah. he's doing Dave, it let me let me let me stop you just for a second because he's found guys like craig reynolds right that you watch rush for over 100 yards on the cardinals that guy's playing for a job good for him but Dan Campbell's the one that went out and got him, you know, player personnel or him or Brad Holmes or somebody did. Somebody found a, a hidden gem. And also a warrior, like I talked about before we came on the pod. I mean, that is a fifth round draft pick corner in 2019. That is just now he's starting to become a very good player. The second best interception I've seen live, Dave, behind the Jordan Lewis interception, of course. But I'm talking about these guys are playing hard. 
They're, they're playing for jobs. And you talk about the difference between the one pick, the two pick and the three pick right now, it's kind of a toss up. I, you know, there is no clear cut number one pick. So if you're going to win games, this seems to be like the year to do it. If you want to win late, maybe the difference between the first pick and the third pick isn't that big. So maybe the, this is the year to do it. Is there a culture change right now happening right before our very own eyes? And I'm not talking about a winning culture. They've won two games. But are you seeing a culture shift happen right now? Being in that building, Dave, and, and watching that sideline, it felt like, man, electric would be the word I use. And, and for, for a team to be the record that they are and to see electricity on the sideline and that these guys are actually trying. And I mean, Dave, for the first time all year, and you can watch it on TV, obviously, all year, but Jared Goff looked engaged. He looked like he was like trying to make plays happen. And if he buys in, we all know that he can be an average quarterback at best. But even at buy-in level, he's probably better than Kirk Cousins. It just doesn't seem like he was bought in from the beginning of the year. So if we get a Jared Goff bought in and you can draft really nice pieces this year in this draft and you don't have to draft a quarterback this year, how good is that for us, Dave, moving forward? That is invaluable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another uh, guy who stood out to me who's getting better each week is Amonra St. Brown. Um, He's just – he's becoming a favorite, and it's almost like – you know, as these injuries, like you mentioned, Craig Reynolds, right? Like, you know, Jamal Williams, no DeAndre Swift. Like, you got Jamar Jefferson back there. But, like, Craig Reynolds, we got him. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, this there's nobody, like, honestly, even available to play. So, like, you lose TJ Hawkinson. And who are you going to throw? Like, Jared couldn't throw the ball to anyone even when Hawk was there. And so, now it's Amonra's time to shine. And he and he's he's clinching on to these moments. And, and I think it is – an impressive thing to see that that these guys are buying buying in. They're trying to make a name for themselves, and they they know that these wins don't mean anything. But if they're going to be on this roster next year, they're going to be playing for Dan Campbell. Like, there's going to be some more excitement heading into into uh, training camp and and just into next fall. And I do think that that was if that's your stamp of the season that win against the Cardinals. Hats off to the Lions, man. I mean, I think that was absolutely huge for them and totally blew me by surprise so um yeah i i i liked it i liked what i saw um do you guys have a good time down there yeah it was absolutely awesome um ford field's always a good time usually so nothing bad to say about the environment or anything like that but i will stop or i will just say this dave statement win for dan campbell and dave i don't know if you felt like he might not be coming back next year for any reason but now he has to come back for next year, no matter what. How do you feel about that? Like he's bought himself another year with that win. 1,000%. I, I think okay. he would have pretty much no matter what, except if he would not have won a game. I, I think that would have been very difficult, even with the roster the way it is to go 0-16-1. and Like that, that's tough. To You got to have some deep, deep faith in – what Dan is doing in the inside and maybe Brad Holmes and the fours, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they were planning on it, but I think he's all but solidified coming back. I mean, to get two wins out of, out of this roster. um, And honestly, during this uh, like COVID impacted season, like never before where you can't even get guys to suit up. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very impressed. Um, Brant, that kind of leads me to my next question before we head in and talk a little Michigan and Georgia football. So, 
the NFC race right now is like crazy. Cards lose, Bucks lose, Rams are catching back on. Cowboys won three in a row, 10 and four, 10 and four, 10 and four, 10 and four. Packers 11 and three right now. Who's your NFC favorite right now to win? Dave, unfortunately, I have to say this. Um, it is the Green Bay Packers. And I would love to pick the Cowboys because I'm a Cowboys fan. But I just think between Devonta Adams and Aaron Jones, or I'm sorry, Devonta Adams and Aaron Rodgers, they have an unstoppable connection, I feel like. And he has enough weapons on offense to make that thing go. And their defense has been good enough to shut down, you know, 75% of the league, let's say. But they they did get kind of lucky last weekend that John Harbaugh rolled the dice and went for it for two. Um, but I just think that right now, them being the one seed, everybody has to go through Lambeau. Man, that, that cannot be understated. That's a big deal. Um, if it were to flip-flop and maybe – uh, the Cowboys were to get the one seed and you had to go through Jerry world. It's a different story to me, but as of right now, the favorite in the NFC has to be the Packers. Yeah. And they've got the best record and it seems like they are, they're, they're cruising right now. It's just, yeah, I, I, I can't argue that it's likely going to be the Packers, the team that I would keep an eye on um, two, two teams. One is our Cowboys because I think that that, and it's the defense that right, is just, agreed. The defense, yeah, they're they're carrying this team right now. Micah Parsons is scary. Like that defense alone is that it's worthy of winning you the NFC. That offense, and that's the reason why I say keep an eye on the Cowboys. The offense has not been what the offense was when the year started. And if they can get clicking and firing on all cylinders again, and they can get Zeke going and find out how to balance him and Tony Pollard, um, you you gotta just a star-studded wide receiver core. Michael Gallup is really good. Get Amari Cooper the ball. CeeDee Lamb's going to make plays. I mean, that the Cowboys are a team to keep your keep your eye on, not just because I'm a Cowboys fan, but I think they're sneaky. I, Bucks right now for me, um, I know we were just talking about Tom Brady as MVP uh, last week. That was a that was a bad call because the the Bucks just lost like their whole team last game. It seems like like everybody's hurt now. Godwin's out for the year. Torres ACL. Mike Evans is banged up. Leonard Fournette is out. Like the 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 Bucks the, the wheels are falling off right now. Obviously, don't count them out. You can never count Tom Brady out. Um, but they put up a dud against New Orleans, so they're not for me anyway. They're not going to be top of the NFC. And the Cardinals are just doing what the Cardinals have done. I mean, they're a really talented team, and they just can't get over this hump, it seems like, to to just solidify themselves in the playoffs. Now, I think they will. I think that this will be a wake-up call for them. You lose to the Lions. It has to be. But I I, I really don't think that – I can't see Cliff Kingsbury right now getting these guys over the the hump. I think Kyler's very, very talented, obviously. I think the Cardinals are a very good team. But man, they just, as I'm seeing them lose just back-to-back games like this, I just, I can't help but just say, I'm kind of not surprised. Like I, I keep saying like how talented they are and how good I think they could be. And then it's like, Ooh, they're still the Cardinals. So they need to get over this hump. Um, the, the, the Rams are a, are a team that I think you also need to keep an, an eye on and, 
we'll see what Matthew Stafford does here at the end of the year. I saw that there could be getting Cam Akers back potentially. I don't even know how that fits in there, right? Like he tore his Achilles last summer. Um, There's a, a report that came out today that he could be coming back. You got Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle has looked great. Um, I don't, you know, the, the Rams are like, yeah, they're, they're kind of like there for me, but I still think it's a, it's a race between the Packers and the Cowboys personally and the Cowboys just their, their uh, division alone is going to, is going to help them. So, so who's your, you didn't give me your pick though. Packers. Okay. So we're both on the Packers yeah. as of now, as long as the NFC has to roll through Lambo, we both feel comfortable. Yes. With the Packers. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. If I had to put money on it, I'd put it on the Packers, but I, I do think that the Cowboys are, are a sneaky team to keep your eye on. Um, last thing, just because, uh, my buddy Gage, who, you know, Brant texted me after the last, uh, podcast, and he actually happened to listen to it after the, the bucks laid a dud against the saints like that. And he said, I, I liked your, uh, your and Brant's like take on Tom Brady being the MVP he puts up a dud though, but he was like, what about, uh, and I was, I don't know if you saw like the execs voted Aaron Rodgers as the MVP, t- uh, today. I saw that come through, but he was like, what about Jonathan Taylor? And I'm like, oh man, JT, that is a, that's a guy who's had a heck of a year too, by the way, that has carried me in fantasy football a couple of weeks um, in a couple of different leagues. I think what I told Gage was, I think that if the Colts can make the playoffs, like I I know that Aaron's like the MVP or whatever. I think if the, if the Colts can make the playoffs, like JT has had a a crazy good year actually. So he's another sort of sneaky guy in there. Big 10 guy. Yeah, absolutely. Wisconsin running back. But I, I think he can be a top three, top five finalist for that award, but he doesn't carry the same name as of now. And he hasn't had the numbers that just stagger you to knock your to knock your socks off like a Derrick Henry or something. You know what I mean? It right. just isn't quite that year. But uh no, he, as far as putting a team on his back, he absolutely has. And he's been Carson Wentz's best friend. There's no doubt about that. Right. Sure. Surely has not been Carson Wentz carrying that team. So, um, <laughs> all right, Brant, shifting into college football here, we're talking one game and one game only, and that would be next weekend, New Year's Eve. We've got night game, Orange Bowl. Georgia Bulldogs, Michigan Wolverines, and we're going to, we've got another episode, episode 21. It's going to be all Michigan and Georgia, and it's going to drop a day or two before the game. So make sure that you tune in for that. But Brant, I kind of did something interesting um, this past week because I was getting bored with listening to all the Michigan football podcasts that are out there. And I can only listen to them so many times to hear like, Oh, like, you know, everything is about what gives Michigan a chance to win this game and you know how they match up well. And, and I'm not disagreeing with, with any of that. We'll give our takes on that next week, but I'm like, I wonder what Georgia Bulldogs are saying, like what the fan base is saying, what other podcast hosts are saying. Like, so I started searching and found like six or seven different podcasts from different Georgia Bulldogs, um, just stations, if you will, and was just listening to their takes on the game. And Brant, this next segment, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to read you some of the takes that I, and I, what I did is I took notes from each of these that I listened to. Um, I, I took notes on it and uh, just little blurbs that kind of stuck out to me of like what these dogs are saying about this upcoming game. So I want to hear just your gut reactions. I haven't shared all of these with you yet. Um, but I want to hear, I want to hear your thoughts on it. You ready? I'm a- yeah. But hold on. Let's get the segment right. Are you, 
are you going to give me takes and then you want my immediate reaction or are you going to give me all first? Or are you going to do one by one? I, we're going to go one by one. Okay. So. Okay. So one of the podcasts I listened to, um, a guy said, all right, describe. So it's two guys on this podcast and this one in particular, there was kind of a lot of smack talking, but he said, all right, describe this matchup for Georgia against Michigan in one word. Now, the one guy said, um, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a phrase. And he said, sleeping giant, meaning that, you know, Alabama essentially had woken a sleeping giant in Georgia and that they are going to be ready to just steamroll pretty much like, or they're, they're going to be ready to play. He didn't, I can't put words in the mouth. He didn't say steamroll. He just said these guys, he, they woke up as a, a sleeping giant. And then he asked his partner. So what's your one word? And he said with full confidence, shut out. Shutout was his word, and he said, I don't think Michigan scores a touchdown. Actually, I know they won't. He said this, this defense, and he started going on and on about Georgia's defense, but his word was shutout. Your reaction? Let me start with the shutout comment because that obviously gets a Michigan fan fired up, but I will just tell you this. This Michigan team will not, not score a touchdown. They will score a touchdown at some point. They are too determined. They are too good. That offensive line is too strong to not score at least one touchdown. So let's get that aside right now. They will score a touchdown, I believe. No, Dave, I know that they will score a touchdown. I'm not worried about that. Uh, The second thing about the sleeping giant, the defense was okay against Alabama. It It wasn't great. It wasn't what they had seen all year. I get where you think that maybe the sleeping giant has awoke. Dave, did they awaken? Did Alabama awaken a sleeping giant in Stetson Bennett? Is that is that happening? Should now all of a sudden it's be like, oh my gosh, he's a first round pick now. Now all of a sudden he's not a walk on. I guess that's where my mind goes. It's like, okay, maybe we did kind of, or maybe Alabama did kind of make the Alabama def- or the Georgia defense upset, and maybe they kind of get riled up, but. No way am I scared now of Stetson Bennett because he got smacked around by Alabama's defense. You? George is going to have to – like, okay, the word shutout. George is going to also have to score points to win this game. But that's just the bottom line. I, You know what? I, I think that – I'm not saying Michigan's going to score three or four touchdowns. I don't know if they will. They will score a touchdown. I also think we have the better kicker in Jake Moody, and I think that's going to matter. Um, but I, but I don't think that's fair to you to use that word like shutout because that just sounds like Georgia's going to steamroll Michigan. Like Michigan doesn't have a chance. Like I'm not impressed by Stetson Bennett. And as a matter of fact, I don't think like 60 percent of the Georgia fan base is either. Like I don't think they know what they want, whether it's him or JT Daniels. There's a lot of conversation about that. Now they do trust in Kirby Smart. It sounds like Kirby Smart's guy is Stetson for now. Uh, we talked before, like, I don't think he's afraid to pull him out, but um, no, Georgia's offense does not scare me. And, and the idea of a shutout, that secondary got exposed. And I know it was Bryce Young, and I know it was Mechie and Jameson Williams and, and like guys that are not Michigan players, but, but guess what? They looked bad. And, and all you heard about was this front seven, and they talked later about, you know, the second half, they put Bryce Young on his back, this and that. Look, they got smacked around. I, I do think that that defense is going to come ready to play because I think that they're hearing the noise right now, the noise that, that we're talking right now. I'm not saying that they're a bad defense or that they're overrated. I just think that um, 
they they got exposed and and Alabama is Alabama it's a different breed of football um but they they got exposed and I think that uh they're and we'll talk about some of these but I think they're overlooking Michigan and certainly not giving credit where credit is due and that's okay I like it that way Brant another one that I heard they were asking about thoughts on the college football playoff matchups and it was pretty short and sweet here it was pretty much that Georgia couldn't have gotten a better matchup against Michigan. They're like, it couldn't be better just with how their team matches up against ours. And we've kind of said on the flip side, I think Michigan couldn't have got a better matchup uh, with Georgia. I think they're very similar teams. So I don't disagree with that take, but the problem is, is that there wasn't a, a much uh, elaboration on that by saying they couldn't have got a better matchup and, and they feel strongly like this is going to lead to what, what they said, nobody in the country wants this besides Bama fans and Georgia fans, and that's an Alabama-Georgia rematch in the national championship. So, to me, it kind of seems like, once again, they got their dream matchup against Michigan. They're looking ahead at Bama. Your thoughts? Well, Michigan's the hottest team in the country outside of nobody. So, I I don't think that that's really your dream matchup is, let's draw the Big Ten championship that just ran through Ohio State and a very solid team in Iowa. I, I just, I don't feel like you can look at that at or from a realistic perspective and say, hey, this is the team we want when Cincinnati's in the playoff. How would be how would that make sense to you, Dave, when you look at that and go, you look at it objectively and say, yeah, we'd rather have Michigan than Cincinnati. No, you're 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 bold faced lying is what you're doing. And so um sure Alabama got the matchup they wanted. They wanted Cincinnati. Michigan wanted Cincinnati. Georgia would want Cincinnati. That makes sense. Now, the tough matchup is Michigan versus Georgia. Now, Michigan drew who they want as far as looking in the mirror and saying, we do what you do. Now, let's go see who does it better. And Georgia, to me, is looking at that and going, we haven't played that this year. We haven't been tested on the ground like Michigan's going to test us on the ground. Bryce Young, Dave, what did he do? He did all of his work scrambling around and through the air to Mechie and Jameson Williams, you know, he did a lot of work through the air. Now, this is going to be punchy in the mouth. Let's see what you got. And maybe some trickeration. And and that Dave, I know you listen to a lot of these podcasts. I also listened to a few. There was some, well, Michigan's offense is so gimmicky. Dave, I don't know if we ran a trick play until like late in the season against right, the- right. The- that tells me no. they I, I agree they haven't watched Michigan football. So okay, so I'm Sorry. gonna cut I didn't go- mean to throw you off kilter here, but no, no, I, I just I, I feel like the some of the overarching themes is that and you know what, Michigan's not always gonna be on national television. Like obviously Michigan, Ohio State was Michigan, Michigan State was and people saw us lose that game. Um but Michigan's not getting that same. Now they're a big time program, big name program. Don't get me wrong; they're they're a household name. But Georgia's not like I don't know about you, man. Like I I, I have watched just about every Georgia game, not the full games, but like they're always on, right? So like to me, some of those comments is like, have you watched how Michigan actually like finished this season? Or to talk about like we run all these trick plays, or the fact that they said we. Uh, did this little end around to our wide receiver, that kid who threw it against Iowa. I'm like, all right, you mean our running, our third string running back, Donovan Edwards. Like, it's just, it, to me, there's just like so much like limited knowledge on Michigan that it's like, they're so. They don't care. 
They're so thick into like SEC everything that it's like, it just doesn't matter. Like, and it fires me up that much more to say like, okay, like I I hope that Michigan does come out and just play their game and show that they're ready to play with these guys. Cause I, I have a general feeling that people have not watched this team play like they should have this year. Um, Another thing that that came up and, and by the way, these are just, podcast just like you and i except more more popular their opinions so this by no means summarizes the entire georgia fan base or anything like that there are plenty of georgia uh fans that i've seen in comment sections who respect michigan who feel like it's going to be a tough game so i'm just taking some of the takes in particular that i was like "Mm, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way those are the ones that i picked out on purpose for this podcast so another one that i heard um, they were kind of breaking down Michigan uh, offense and defense. And they were t- um, asking, like, what do you make of Michigan's offense? Kate, they made the comparison of like, okay, well, Kate McNamara, he's no Bryce Young, and he shouldn't scare you. And they like that. Um, they, they feel like getting in his face and putting him on his back, just like they did to Bryce Young more in the second half. Um, they, they feel like if, if Kate McNamara has to beat you, Michigan won't come close. Um, they know that Michigan runs the ball well, but their take is that Georgia stops the run even better. Michigan leads the country in big plays over 50 yards. And then their take on that was, but most of those tend to be big runs or trickery type of end around or flea flicker type of plays or like the one you saw them do against Iowa. So, and then the question was posed, does that type of cute play calling actually work against a stout defense like Georgia's? Well, the cute play calling has been working and it works against every other Big Ten defense. And I'm not saying that Michigan is going to come out here in the first quarter and get real cute with it, Dave. What I'm saying is Michigan is going to do what they do. The bread and butter, Dave, is what? Run the football. And when you run the football, what do teams do? They overcommit to the run. And then what happens? You have passing lanes either open up or you do the flea flicker, or you do something like that to kind of relax the cornerbacks, and then all of a sudden you're over top of them, or somebody's in the wrong gap, and now you have an open tight end, or you have a back out of the backfield that's loose. So Michigan now has one thing that I think they haven't had in the past, Dave, that I think people are overlooking, is weapons, multiple weapons. What is a weapon, Dave? Blake Corum is a weapon. Donovan Edwards is a weapon. Eric All is a weapon. Cornelius Johnson, weapon. Mike Serenstill, weapon. These are all things. These are all guys that can get loose on you and make you pay, right? So this is this is not Michigan's offense of 2019, where it was Shea Patterson deep. If we don't hit it, well, I guess that's it. We'll try to run it up the gut, get two yards, and get stopped. That's not it. We can obviously hand it to Hassan Haskins and and let this offensive line do the work, which, Dave, do you know who got the award for the best offensive line in the nation? Who? Michigan. Guess who else did? 2019 LSU, 2020 Alabama. They both got voted the best offensive line, and they won the national championship. Now, I'm not saying that's going to lead to Michigan's national championship, but I'm saying – they won that award, man. Like, that's a good offensive line. That's nothing to play with. Like, they're good. They are a cohesive unit. They are going to try and run the ball, which leads me to, yeah, you can call it cute, and you can call it whatever you want, but damn it, this offense works. 
and it will work against Georgia. I, I think Michigan's got a <clears> – <throat> it'll be interesting to see their ability to run between the tackles because I think that's where Georgia is very, very tough is to run between the tackles. But I also think that because they kind of like – I don't know. I was just watching like some of their defense too. Like they just – they don't necessarily send a ton of pressure. They just like plug those holes and wait for you to like, like yeah, they out effort you like they're, they're going to be okay. Giving you two yards and, and nothing more than that. So like, that'll be interesting to me to see how like Hassan Haskins um, stacks up against that. I, I think that some of your X factors and, and call it cute or whatever, um, Blake Corum's ability to bust it outside and, and, and Donovan Edwards that I still think you just see more and more of him each week. I've told you since day one that this kid is like, he's special. He's going to be a playmaker. I think he could be a, you, you use the word weapon. You've got Mike Sanders still who's, who's throwing blocks out there. Who's fast. Who's a playmaker. AJ Henning as well. I mean, the list goes on, man. Schoonmacher. Don't forget about it. Yeah. Scoonie. Yeah, and Dave, one thing I do want to point out that you brought up when you were talking about the Georgia podcast was if they do get pressure on Cade McNamara, it will be interesting because Michigan did struggle against Iowa when Cade was backed up in his own zone and they, they got pressure on him and there was three or four drives there that we stalled right out because Cade didn't have time to make the read. Now, what will Michigan do to combat that? And the defense has held us in games at times, right, where the offense did sputter. So don't think that Michigan some invincible team. They're not. If, if you get in Kate's face and you make him rush decisions or you can get to him, he's just like anybody else. He'll fumble the ball. Like, this can happen. So I think it's so important that the Michigan offensive line can get that push up front and you can get more than just two yards on the push, Dave. That's where the game's going to be won. Yeah, this game's yeah, it's going to be won in the trenches, and you know, you know, Jim Harbaugh just loves that, right? Like this has him. That's what he lives for. He, he, wants, he lives. For he this. wants to take Kirby Smart to the trenches and say who's stronger. Yep. Yep. A- absolutely. Um, yeah. I I think that you're 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 spot on with that, and I I really I, I really think that Michigan is. Like we all we've talked about, not all we've talked about, I think just nationwide, like from a balcony view of looking at this Michigan team is, is to talk about the defense, to talk about Aiden Hutchinson, who went to New York, who's a special player, to talk about David Ajabo on the other side here. Um, and all the while, like Michigan's offense has gotten better and better each and every week. Now, I actually, I saw an, an interesting an interesting stat that I was going to share with you because one of the issues, as you know, Brant, that, that Michigan had early on or for the vast majority of this season is scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And I remember around like our like eighth or ninth game, I remember like saying on here foolishly, I guess, well, they haven't figured it out yet. So I'm just going to guess that being like 75, 80% away through the season, probably not going to get figured out. But check this out. So Michigan's last four games in the red zone, 19 trips, 16 touchdowns, one field goal, one turnover, one kneel down. I was going to say 16 and 19 because I knew that's that. Yeah. I was going to say 16 and 19. And I know that you really harped on that, Dave. You were really upset about it. Yeah. And um, that's what got Gaddis the Broyles Award, right? Absolutely. That, that's, that's what turned the corner for him. 
And I I don't think that it can go understated just how big Donovan Edwards and the backs for this backfield have shown up for Michigan. And Dave, you talk about the long plays, but inside the 20, it's been just as good, man. Yeah. It's been just as impressive. So yeah. I, I really think whatever way you slice it, if Michigan can get stops in the red zone and Michigan can convert in the red zone, whether it's field goals or touchdowns, points are going to be at a premium. Do you think that in this game points will be at a premium? I think the first team that makes it to 20 wins the football game. That's scary to me because <laughs> that is a 50-50 shot, right? And, uh, man, could you see this thing going 24-17, 24-19, 21-17? Like, you can see the j- – j- you can just see it going that way. And Stetson's not going to blow you away. Cade's not going to blow you away. There's not going to be a Bryce Young performance in this game is what I'm trying to get at. And so, man, the field goal kicking is going to be important. Punting the ball is going to be important. And Dave, you pointed to this earlier. Jim Harbaugh loves this type of game. You want to play a field position with Jim Harbaugh? He just played the ultimate field master in Kirk Ferentz and right. won the game by 39 points. Like, right. That is the type of game he wants to play. Yeah, and I, I I really think that Michigan, they just they control the the clock. They keep you off the field. I really, I mean, I would like to get into this more next week on our on our podcast yeah, leading right into yeah. the game. But yeah, I, I really think that in terms of like ball control and that sort, of like Michigan can keep their offense on the field and give their defense some breaks. Georgia's offense just does not scare me. Um, and, and so lastly, Brant, one of the last takes um, was on Michigan's defense. And I think everywhere it, that I've listened to has acknowledged that Michigan has a really good defense and Hutchin, Aiden Hutchinson is outstanding. A lot, I've heard David Ajabo's name mentioned several times, as they should. Um, oh, does Michigan but, have a defense in this game? I'm sorry. I right. just <laughs> – you know, we go this whole episode without talking about our bookends on defense. Right, right, exactly. You know. But the argument is, is that they have not played an offensive line like Georgia's um, all year, and the and and they're talking they're they're talking about just the the size of some of these guys on the O line, and that if you can take Aiden Hutchinson out of this game as much as you possibly can, then Michigan becomes a really good defense, but they're not a great defense. And that's the take that I heard. Um, and, and then they also acknowledge that Georgia's defense, their, their weakness, if they have one, is obviously in the secondary. But that once again, that puts pressure on Cade McNamara to actually expose it. And Michigan doesn't have a Jameson Williams or a John Mechie like Bama has. Those were the takes that I heard. Okay, and I, I can respect the off- the Michigan offense to the Georgia defense take, but I cannot respect the other. I can't respect it vice versa. Um, and, and the one thing that you talked about was, okay, the Georgia offensive line. Now, now, since when does Ohio State have a bad offensive line, Dave? Right, right. When have you heard that? When has Iowa had a bad offensive line? Since when has Wisconsin had a bad offense? Now, this is where I, you, I'm getting fired up now because – you're not going to just tell me that all these teams now have bad offensive lines that Michigan can't handle. Now, I know that Georgia might have a couple pro prospects on their offensive line. Well, guess what? So does Iowa, so does Ohio State, and so does Wisconsin. So don't sit here and give me that BS. 
Ojabo and Hutchinson will come to play. It's about Mozzie Smith. It's about Chris Hinton. It's about those guys getting inside and getting dirty and making the plays. Now, I'm here for it, Dave. And our defensive backs have played all year with their hair on fire. Now, they haven't been outstanding. They have been average to good. I don't think they have been very good. I, I think they, they are they, – I shouldn't say average to good. They have been mostly around good, Dave. They just have been. Um, and when you play three receivers like they played against Ohio State, our defensive backfield, Dave, those Ohio State receivers eight, but is that the best receiving core they'll see all year? Oh, hands down. Hands down. Hands freaking They're, they're the best down. in the country. Yeah. <laughs> They're the best in the country. So don't tell me that, hey, our defensive backs will give you a little bit of support. Hutch and Ajabo, just go do your job and get after Stetson and keep him in the pocket. And then as soon as he steps up, there's Hinton and, and there's Smith. Like That's going to happen, I think, anyway. So that's where my confidence comes from, Dave. Let's and, go. And I'm here for it, man. Let's go. So, I like the passion. <laughs> Let's go. So, so uh, uh, okay, but quickly, on the flip side, I think that – when you talk about Georgia's secondary being weak, they have had guys that left last year for the NFL. That was a big hit for them. CJ Stokes was one of them. He's a, he's a, he was a dog. He plays for the Packers. He's a starter. He's a very good player. He left last year. They have had guys step in that haven't been very good or that have been just average. And they talk about guys in new roles. They talk about guys that have been hurt all year. Their secondary has been hurt, Dave. It just has been. So when you talk all of that, Alabama exposed them terribly. So Michigan is here to do the same. And Michigan is what you would call a well-oiled machine. They are clicking on all cylinders, Gaddis, Harbaugh, and McDonald. I trust more than Kirby Smart and whoever's going to coach Oregon or Dan Lanning or, or whoever it might be. I'm telling you right now, those guys are committed in that coaching room and they will have a game plan to give Georgia nightmares. So Brant, I love your, I love your, your, your take and your passion on that. I, I'm not even going to build off of it. I think you, you said what needed to be said. So wow. ironically, <laughs> ironically though, one of the last things that I wanted to talk about before we get in the bets is like, when I tell you I listened to six or seven different Georgia Bulldog football podcasts, I did, and it was hard to actually find. And I don't know if it's because of like the timing right now, if, if there will be more coming up, I'm sure, in the next week. But everything right now has really little to do about Michigan. Like I had to scrounge for some of these takes on Michigan. Everything, even from this past week, was still about Alabama, like an obsession with, the loss to Alabama that they, they lost the SEC championship, but now they got their whole seasons in front of them. So their goals are right there. They're going to get their rematch against Alabama, which is exactly what they want. And to be able to win what really matters, which is a national championship. And I keep hearing in all these takes, but don't, but by all means, Michigan's a good football team. Like don't overlook them. Like, it's almost like this like backhanded, like, Oh yeah, no, we're not saying like, don't care about Michigan. Like we know Michigan's a good team. Um, they're very talented, but Bama, but Bryce Young, but, you know, all these things that to me, I feel like this is going to play if, if, and, and these are not the players saying this, right. These are just 
sports guys talking, right? Like they're not the players. So I don't know. I mean, I would guess that there probably has been somewhat of a sleeping giant. Like I think Georgia is going to come to play. Like Michigan is going to have their hands full. I know we are like countering all these different points. So Michigan's going to have their hands full. However, if Georgia comes into this game with the sole concern of winning a national championship against Alabama, which we all know Alabama is going to roll against Cincinnati. If that is their focus right now, that plays right into Michigan's hand. I'll tell you right now, the Michigan fan base, the Michigan players, the coach, like they're lasered in on this game against Georgia and are so, it's almost like this, like we're just so happy to be here, but we also know that we can win this game. Like we're not thinking about, yeah, but what, like, what's that? If we beat these guys, like, how do we match up against Alabama? Like, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm picking apart Georgia this game. And I think that that's the difference right now from what I'm hearing from Michigan fans and Georgia fans. Just in the limited stuff that I've listened to, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, but but we know Michigan's good. But also, God, we can't thank God we got this chance that we can go in and, and beat Alabama for a natty. What do you think, man? It seems like there's like this obsession over Alabama right now. Yeah, and obviously it's like Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan, right? Ohio, type of stuff. But let me tell you what, Dave, and you pointed this out. Do you think that Georgia is going to be taking the field against Michigan? And I guarantee you that no Michigan player is going to be thinking about the Alabama Cincinnati game. But I guarantee you, Georgia fan or Georgia players are going to be looking up at that scoreboard, being like, "Hey, what's that score though? Or what was that final?" Like, how close was Cincinnati to Alabama? Like, can we get that close again? Oh, wait a minute. I'm about to get punched in the face. I should probably pay attention to what's on the field in front of me in Miami. And, Dave, that might be a homer take, whatever it is. But I agree with you because a lot of stuff that I'm seeing is, hey, we're already in the championship. Hey, we lost to them, but guess what? It's cool because we earned 12-0, and 0, whatever, whatever. Dave, can you tell me the last two games – Georgia played before they played Alabama. Yeah, they, it, it wasn't good. No, I was it like Georgia Southern or something like that. It was Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern. And you don't know? No. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. That's who you rolled in to play Alabama. And before that, you played Tennessee, who's five and five. Right. So you you tell me, Dave. What you played in the last three weeks got you prepared for that game. Let me take you through who Michigan played. They played a good Penn State team. They played a down Maryland team, but Maryland could be compared to Tennessee at this point. And then you turn around and you play Ohio State, the cream of the crop, and you smack them around. And then you go play a really good Iowa team, and you also smack them around. So I don't think Georgia has anything to be showboating about at this point. Bro, you are lucky to be in the playoff. And, and I think that that hasn't that has not crept up across their mind at all. Because you know what? We took care of Clemson, who who had a down year. Yeah, who is just average, right, Dave? Or maybe a little better than average. Mm-hmm. But you beat them 10-3 on a pick six. Like, don't think that you dominated them. Right. Get real. And so they beat yeah, Auburn. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You beat Auburn. Okay. And we can get all of this next week. I don't, I don't want to spend a bunch yeah. of time on this. But, but anyway, my, my main point is Michigan is the hottest team in the country. 
to want to get in a fist fight with. And that's what Michigan's going to bring is a fist fight. So Georgia, y'all better just be ready. Okay. I like it. I like it. And, and we got Brian Kelly y'all. Right. <laughs> my mamas and my papas. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. And we've got it. Like you said, we've got another episode coming next week where we're going to really break this thing apart and, and give you our final takes as we head into the biggest game for Michigan football and, you know, since honestly, 1997. <laughs> so yeah, Dave, let's just do one quick bet. I, I don't really have a ton for you this weekend, whatever. Okay. Um, I came in a little unprepared, but let's just do the Lions at Falcons, okay? I'm going to give you the Lions line. Do you know what it is? No, I don't. What is okay. it? It is Lions getting five and a half at a bad Atlanta Falcons team. No. I know I know the Lions <laughs> just won. I know you're expecting me right now to be like, oh, gosh, I have to eat my words. Nope, 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 nope. And and by the way, the the Lions continue to be decimated with COVID. I mean, Jared Goff's God bless him in his tiny hands. He's not playing. He's got COVID. You're rolling out there with Boyle, who put up like the worst quarterback passer rating in like years when he did play. I I mean, prove me wrong again, Dan Campbell. Like work, work your magic. The Falcons are no good. Trust me, I'm not giving any credit to them. But I don't know who's actually going to be out there playing for the Lions this Sunday. So yeah, I, I give me give me the Falcons to cover five and a half. Dave, I doing? will I will blindly follow you, my guy. I yeah. will just go down that road. But I love how you hit me with the nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> exactly. Nope. So. You got it. You got it. Well, hey man. This was a fun one, and it's just going to get even more fun next week as we head into to New, Year's, New Year's Eve into the 2022 New Year, but not without Michigan having a chance to play Georgia uh, for an opportunity to go play for a national championship. So we will be back at you with episode 21. Appreciate the likes, the follows, the subscribers. Share it out right now. This is a great time for us to continue to get some followers as – as I'm out here listening to Georgia Bulldog podcast, I know people are looking for Michigan football podcast. So uh, go blue. We appreciate your support. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas.